Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. Obviously, it completely changes this week with the test of starting conference play, uh, having to start on the road against a very good team. You know, uh, Mark's done a great job of building that program up, and, and you can see they've built a great foundation. They have depth. They have experience. They're, they play very physical style of football, both lines, both offensively and defensively along the line of scrimmage. And, you know, they got, they got, they got starters back. You know, it's, uh, you know they, they, they've built a consistent winner. So it's going to be a, a, a huge test for us. That was Florida coach Dan Mullen discussing the Kentucky Wildcats as his team gets ready to hit the road for its first SEC road game. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked on Gators. And that game between UF and UK will kick off at 7 p.m. Saturday night on ESPN. On today's show, we're going to discuss the five keys to the game in the first segment. In the second segment, we'll be joined by Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun to preview the game. And in the third segment, I'll give my predictions, my SEC power rankings, and bring you some comments from UF Offensive Coordinator John Hevesy. But let's kick this off with the five keys to the game as the Gators head to Lexington and try to avoid losing consecutive games to Kentucky for the first time since 1977. The Gators had their 31-game winning streak snap last season in the Swamp. And if you look back on that game in the areas where Florida struggled, they're going to have to do well on Saturday night in order to get the W. And to me, I think it starts with the strong start. Every time you go out on the road, especially in the SEC, you want to have a strong start to the game, score on your opening drive, play well defensively, and just get some early momentum. And not only will that be key for Florida going up against Kentucky, but especially coming off their last game. We've talked this week about how Florida coach Dan Mullen did not like the first half performance from his team, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. That unit failed to score on its opening drive despite getting in the red zone. The next series, they had a turnover on downs, and Mullen went off on the team at halftime. So those guys know that they have to come out and start strong, and especially now that they've gotten that message. And if UF can come out on its opening drive and find a way to put it in the end zone, get some three and outs early against Kentucky's young quarterback, that's the type of start that Florida needs in this game. I think the second key that you're going to look for on Saturday is winning the rushing battle. Florida was not able to do that last year against the Wildcats. We mentioned over 300 yards on the ground for them. They averaged 7.4 yards a carry. So they were really able to have success. Florida cannot let that happen. They have to do a much better job tackling. It's going to be easier because they're not going up against Terry Wilson, who's hurt, and Benny Snell Jr., who's now with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But they still have some talent in their backfield, and the Gators got to make sure that they can stuff the run game and get it going on their side of the ball as well. One of the reasons that Mullen was upset with that first half performance is because the Gators were getting pushed around up front. They tried to establish the run early on in that game, and they weren't able to do it against an FCS team. So there is some concern about how Florida's going to fare against an SEC defensive front. Miami was able to hold the Gators to just 52 yards rushing on the ground. And that's not the type of production that Florida's going to be looking for. Now, if it comes down to it and they can't run the ball and they have to rely on Felipe's arm, I'm sure that they will. But they have to do a better job of establishing the run and winning that rushing battle. LaMichael P. Ryan just had 34 yards on the ground last year. Malik Davis, four carries for 15 yards. Those numbers have to be way up on Saturday. The third key to this game is who is going to step up for Kadarius Toney and C.J. Henderson. We got an idea from the coaches this week about who that could be. We know at wide receiver Jacob Copeland, as well as Freddie Swain, 
Josh Hammond, and Van Jefferson could all fill in in that role. While at cornerback, they want to give the opportunities to the three freshmen. They can also slide Dean over from the nickel and have him play corner if need be. So we know who the options are, but who is actually going to step up and solidify those spots? A lot of people are expecting touches to go to Jacob Copeland, but you're going to see more balls come Freddie Swain's way. Hammond is listed as a starter in the slot too, but I think of the four receivers who've been mentioned, Copeland and Swain, in my opinion, have the opportunity to benefit the most from Tony's injury, and we'll see which one of those two guys can come to the forefront against the Wildcats. Well, at corner, which one of the three freshmen could emerge and be that starter opposite Marco Wilson? I think Kyrie Elam being the elite prospect that he was and showing what he did in the Swamp last Saturday might be a likely candidate to lock that spot down. But don't forget Jaden Hill. He's been here since the spring. He made some planes against the Skyhawks. And Chester Kimbrough was the first freshman corner in the game against UT Martin. It wasn't Elam or Hill. It was Kimbrough. And he played really well with the snaps that he got. So Florida has three guys that they can go to, but defensive coordinator Todd Grantham, I think, would like one to separate himself from the pack, but at the very least, have those freshmen be able to handle that so that he doesn't have to move Dean out of his nickel spot. The fourth key to the game is getting sacks on new Kentucky quarterback Sawyer Smith, the transfer from Troy. We discussed on yesterday's podcast some of his background and how the Gators are getting ready for him. And I think the one thing that we can definitely say is the pressure, the duress, the stress that he's going to face on Saturday defensively is going to be nothing like he's seen before. And the Gators have to capitalize on that, get him rattled, dialed up those pressures and try to bring him down. Florida has 15 sacks on the season. They've absolutely dominated in that department, starting with the season opener. And they probably could have had more sacks in the five that they did against UT Martin if they would have been rolling their starters for the whole game. But if they can come close to matching that number and bring down Smith a handful of times in that game, that's going to be a lot for him to handle. He is an upperclassman and he has some experience, but Florida's defensive speed is just going to be at a different gear and they need to get to him early and often. And the final key to the game is who's going to start and step up at safety. So far this season, that's been the one area in Florida's defense that's been kind of shaky. You've had Brad Stewart out as well as a couple got injured. There was a silver lining last weekend as Sean Davis, because of those absences, was able to get the start and played really well with the shot he got. And I've said that I would like to see him be the starter on the full-time basis. I think Florida's best combination could be him and Brad Stewart. But we have to see on Saturday, number one, does Stewart come off suspension? And two, with Jawan Taylor returning from injury, does he get back into the starting lineup? Or does Florida stick with Davis or Steiner? Again, that's just been one spot for Florida where there's been a lot of moving pieces And if they can shore it up on Saturday against the Wildcats, that's going to help them get the win. When we come back from this first break, we'll bring you our interview with Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun. You're listening to Locked On Gators, your team every day. Everyone loves the comfort of their own home, but there's nothing like going to a game and being a fan in the stands. And whether you're looking for seats on the 50-yard line or front row tickets to see your favorite band in person, Vivid Seats is here to help you. Vivid Seats is the top source for purchasing event tickets in the online marketplace. You can search for seats by section, row, and price, all in the Vivid Seats app. The in-app loyalty program, Vivid Seats Rewards, allows you to purchase tickets to any concert, game, or show and earn credit towards your next live event. Visit the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Do that and you're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. From sporting events to theater shows, Vivid Seats has it all. 
Download the Vivid Seats app and become part of their loyalty program today. Welcome back, Florida fans. Now we bring in our next guest. He joined us during the first week of Locked On Gators to recap the season opener, and we bring him back today to look at this Florida-Kentucky game. Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun. I met up with him this week, and here was our conversation. The Gators defeated the Skyhawks 45 to nothing last Saturday. Graham, you were in the swamp. What did you think of the performance you saw from UF? Well, I think it went a lot more in line with what Florida fans were expecting out of the offense this year. Much was made in the spring about how the offense was expecting to be faster, get more guys in, and I think they did that. It looked like Dan Mullen was spending a lot of the first half in, in looking to establish the run. The results were kind of mediocre, and you saw him pretty fired up there at halftime as Florida just took a, a three-score lead into the halftime break. Much better second half, obviously, but still some things to get cleaned up as they begin conference play. I think the offensive line has come along uh, very well. I think that you could, as if you were a Florida fan out there looking to make a few excuses for the game, when you look at the bye week, the hurricane yeah. that kind of altered the preparation with a little bit of, you know, that's always a, a disconcerting issue in Gainesville, at least can be a distraction. So certainly some things for Florida to get cleaned up, but uh, a much better and encouraging performance, I think, than that season opener against Miami. I think that's a interesting point you make about the bye week, because a lot of people made some things out of how rusty Florida might have looked, or especially in the first half, but they were coming off of a whole week off, and they had a week zero matchup. So they weren't maybe on the same level as most teams in, in week two in terms of their preparation and where they are as a team. And maybe this was probably the wake-up call, I guess you could call it, that they needed before they go to Lexington. And it's funny because it was the second game last year where they lost to the Wildcats, and they kind of had to look in the mirror and, and figure out where they were as a team. Now they go back and they try to get back on the winning side of the streak. Yeah, one of the consistent quotes we've heard from Dan Mullen is, is you know, just get a win next game and that you should approach every game with the same intensity. But I think from watching that game, it's pretty clear that Florida wasn't fully locked in throughout the week before playing UT Martin. Sure. I think the hurricane, the bye week, and then you factor in that they also had a chance to start looking at some Kentucky film. And obviously that kind of goes out the window a little bit with Terry Wilson's season-ending injury preparing for another quarterback like they did against Miami that really hasn't put a whole lot of snaps on film, at least in the offense that he's going to be running. So certainly a lot of challenges going forward. And I think that Florida is a little bit relieved that they looked at Kentucky, knowing that they have a little bit of a new wrinkle um, in this week. So I, I think that there's a lot to get cleaned up. But if you look at, at some of the reasons behind it, I don't think there's really a cause for concern right now. Sure. And then obviously the Gators uh, taking on the Wildcats. You mentioned the new quarterback. Just what are your overall thoughts on this game? Do you expect the Gators to come out with the win? And, and if so, what are they going to have to do to get it? Well, Sawyer Smith, who transferred into Kentucky from Troy, uh, you go back and look at what he did well. Um, I don't know if that he's going to cause Florida a lot of fits the way that Terry Wilson did last year, sure. especially in space. Um, but it's a guy that Florida is going to have to to be focused on. Um, you're, you're dealing with a quarterback who can run, who can throw on the run as well. That's something that when you look at Florida's safety situation and with C.J. Henderson going down, likely going to have to start a freshman corner in there as well, move Trey Dean around, hopefully get Amari Bernie back who missed the game against UT Martin to get worked up. Uh, I, I think if you can answer those questions, then Florida will be just fine. But you look at this game, you look at the fact that Florida lost last year, the streak is kind of no longer a burden. Yeah. That's what I've been thinking about as well. Maybe these guys are a little bit more able to focus on the Kentucky of right now because they're not playing for the Gators of 1986 or what have you. That question was a regular one. You've been around the program for a yeah. long time. Every group of Every Gators year. who comes in is asked about 
you know, what would it be like to lose that? How they much they want to avoid that? Those questions haven't been around this week. It's been a noticeably different Kentucky week. So I think you'll see a little bit more relaxed skaters. They don't have to play for anyone else. They can just play for themselves in week three. You mentioned CJ Henderson. He has an ankle sprain and he's going to be doubtful for Saturday. We don't know about Kadarius Tony. how long he could be out mowing, projecting maybe a couple weeks. How do you think that that shoulder injury how do you think that shoulder injury affects the offense and kind of what they do at receiver, especially in that slot position? I think it actually may be a positive for Dan Mullen in a sense. Now, obviously not in the sense that you never want any guy to be injured. Yeah. But with Kadarius Tony, he was kind of a high-risk, high-reward type player. He didn't really fit into the game plan. He never really knew where he was going to go. And some people say, oh, what's wrong with that? That means he's unpredictable. He's dynamic. Well, when your wide receivers are blocking for you, your tight ends are blocking for you, and they don't know when you're going to go, it makes it really hard for the play to be successful. Good point. So Florida gets a chance to get a little more traditional wide receiver in there in his role. And obviously the name everyone's talking about is Jacob Copeland. He had three receptions, only had one reception come into that UT Martin game. He had three against the Skyhawks, including his first to career collegiate touchdown, a five-yard slant. I think that they're going to want to get him back in there as well. Many people have been craving uh, to see him in action, and I think that this is his time. There's there's obviously an opportunity available, and he seems like a natural fit to step up. But even more so, I think that you're going to see Florida kind of rely on guys like Josh Hammond and Van Jefferson a little bit more, two yeah. of their most dependable wide receivers. Obviously, you got Trey Grimes and Freddie, Freddie Swain as well. No shortage of pass catchers in Gainesville. But I think that, if anything, this will give Florida a little bit chance to shore up the depth chart and get Jacob Copeland involved, which is something, like I said, everyone wants to see. Appreciate Graham joining us this week. When we come back from the final break, I will give you my prediction for Florida, Kentucky, my SEC power rankings, as well as some comments from Florida offensive coordinator John Hevesy. You're listening to Locked On Gators, your team every day. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Welcome back into the show and it's prediction time for Florida, Kentucky. A lot of interesting storylines in this game and I think that this is a good test for Florida having to go out on the road. Their next three games are at home, so this year's group needs to show that it can go to a stadium that's not a neutral site and get a win. Kentucky's got a sold-out crowd for Saturday. Those fans are going to be really jacked up for this game. They felt like they should have beat Florida in 2017, and now they want to try and get a win streak going against the Gators, but I do not see it happening for the Big Blue Nation. That injury to Terry Wilson is a real killer. I think that that would have allowed Kentucky to be more competitive in this game. But even with him healthy, I still don't think that this year's Wildcats team can beat UF. They had a lot of talented players on their squad last year. The Gators were just in their second game under Mullen, still figuring out a lot in terms of their personnel and scheme. But Mullen and his staff have those answers now. They are in year two. And I think his team goes out on the road, gives the new Kentucky quarterback a ton of fits, and the Gators are able to come away with a 31-13 win. You look at some of the other college football games around the country, not as great of a slate in Week 3 as there was in Week 2. There are some interesting games. I'll be checking out that USC-BYU game. After they were able to go and beat Tennessee last week, and USC was able to get the win over Stanford, the Cardinals traveling to UCF. That should be a good game and an opportunity for the Knights to make a statement. But other than that, not too many games that got me excited. I will tune into Alabama-South Carolina just because it's an SEC matchup, but I already know how that game is going to go. Now, before we bring the comments from Florida Offensive Coordinator John Hevesy, I want to give my SEC power rankings. I still got Alabama and Georgia at the top after their wins last weekend. Both scored 60-plus points and just dominated the cupcakes that they have. I move LSU up to number three with their 45-38 to win over Texas. A&M drops down to number four. 
after they lost 24-10 to to Clemson. I'm still not going to penalize the Aggies and drop them past Florida or Auburn. They went out of conference and played the defending national champs. And I think the fact that they only lost by two touchdowns is a lot better than most SEC teams could do against the Tigers. I got Florida at number five after shutting out UT Martin. Auburn at number six after just a 24-6 win over Tulane. Number seven, I got Mississippi State. Missouri at number eight after their 38-7 win over West Virginia. I had them moving up a spot. Kentucky down to number nine. They got the win 38-17 over Eastern Michigan, but the Wildcats just not the contender that they were with Wilson out. Number 10, I got South Carolina. They bounced back from their week one loss to North Carolina with a 72-10 win over Charleston Southern, but unfortunately now they got the Crimson Tide this week. Number 11, I got Ole Miss up one spot after their 31-17 win over Arkansas. Vanderbilt drops down a spot. They lost 42-24 last weekend to Purdue. Arkansas checks in at number 13. And still, number 14 at the last spot is Tennessee. Another loss in week two to BYU. And I guess, at least for another week, Rocky Top is still Rocky Bottom. Now let's bring you those comments from Florida Offensive Coordinator John Hevesy. He met with the media this week to discuss his unit and preview this matchup with the Wildcats. A lot of ways we use it. And sit there and say that, to, 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 you know, you can keep pecking and keep pecking and keep pecking at There's a time and place for certain things like that. I think these kids, the older kids that are playing, have a good understanding of what it is. Um, you know, we've hit it with them. Is it, we're drawing home. Yeah, we're constantly, they, they know. They know exactly what happened last year, and, and it's one of the games they we lost at home. Um, but to me, it's it's, a, it's our first SEC game, so it's maybe we've got to be ready to play. You know, to me, to get any more any more emotional for a game, it's me, we still got to execute and do what we're supposed to do. You know, I think there's a certain time and certain places for games that we use. There's a lot of things we are still using with last year's game. How you, you know, are. Just, okay. Yeah, we always use that because it's just what they did last year, and then to me, hey, they came into our house, which is the first thing. And then to me, again, they have a team that has a lot more confidence. They've been playing well. They've been getting better each year. So to me, they're not, I guess, what, what some of these kids might look at is it's it's Kentucky of you know, the last 40 years prior. It's not, not a great job in that program for us. I mean, that's what we're doing, the same thing. What are the changes defensively for them this year compared to last year? Not much. I mean, I guess the 41's gone. Um, so to me, that's one guy, one of their good players. But to me, you see they have, they've done a great job of putting players in there, the defense they play in their scheme of putting three big guys inside to stop the run, and they get their, their fast guys in there for pass rush and four down. So to me, they do a good job with their personnel. They recruit their personnel to fit their defense. Yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, their they're line's fun. pretty good. Yeah, they're big. I mean, they're, they're, they are. They're talented kids, and they're big kids. I mean, they're, they're three. I mean, he's a quarter of a ton or something in the, in the, in the nose there. And then the two, the two ends are, are both three ends. Guys, they're big guys. That's what that defense is built for. That's why you'll see them from – three down to four down to, to change it now for pass rush and things like that to stop the run to, to stop the pass. Mullen was talking about attention to detail, getting some of that stuff cleaned up. How everything. does that relate to the everything. offense? Everything. Everything. I mean, it's always it's, it's little things that we did in the game and just, you know, slight angles from running it in a sense at a, at a 40 degree angle instead of a 45 degree angle, which is, people might think it's a big thing, but it's a huge thing. And there's things that I think was great in that game last week that we saw that, that the kids adjusted how they came out differently than we did, than we had kind of expect them to do that as the first second quarter third quarter went out we adjusted with the kids and the kids got understanding adjustment in-game adjustments and it was a good opportunity to do it to change angles and different things we were doing within the game what's the challenge to doing that to, to making those adjustments as quickly it's, as you it's not really a challenge it's just it, it, the challenge always comes with them interpreting it and seeing it again understanding it you know and again if you come back to the silence with them and you get it to okay great here i mean there's the good thing being at home last week i could actually yell in the field and tell them Here's what you got to do. You've got to go vertical on this instead of instead of 45. 
So to me, you saw that adjustment with those guys, which, which to me helped us, obviously, as you saw in the run game, go from the first quarter to the second quarter to the third quarter and on. That's one of those things that just comes with reps too, right? Yeah, it is. And it's, it's something that when you say it, the, the reps comes and experience comes with. I say it once, they get it. Okay, the younger you get, it's two, three, and the fourth time, they figure yeah. it out. So like anything, it's just the experience comes with how many times I got to say it and how many times they do it to get it. Did any of those twos grade out particularly high for you? Yeah, I mean, they all, they all actually did decently well. They did decently for what they were supposed to do. Again, there's corrections that led. You know, I think Ethan and Michael, um, both first time really on the field. You know, Richard Tanner have been on the field before. I think on the field, but for those two, they both did a good job. And, and all three of them, I was happy to see just the communication and, and get the things going the right way. And we did not look very complex, and they were very complex. But, you know, for to see them do execute what they had to do, I was impressed with them. What's going to have to happen with the run game for it to take the next step? I think just execute me. Just it's it's, it's, it's it's details of things. It's the details of things earlier in the game and understanding this is a far different you know for game week to week and game to game for guys that we talked about that, that haven't played a lot. It's a lot of the same three down defense, except these guys are 300 pounds and not 230, 45 pounds that are running around sideways. You know, these guys are going to stand up. So it's just how fast they got to turn over. It's a different mentality of you know, same type of technique, but just different people you're playing that you got to adjust a little bit of your your weight and your bend and things. Stone's kind of got some acclaim from Pro Football Focus for his performance for the first two weeks. What have you seen out of him, and what's his growth been like for the last year? I think it really, I mean, he's got he's got better. I mean, that's why he's where he is. It's me. He's got to keep getting better and keep really paying attention to details. He's such a long kid. He's got to constantly pay attention to playing low and playing in bend because he's six eight or whatever he is that people can't get underneath him. It's hard being six eight to get, especially last week when. They're not as tall a guy, six foot, six foot, six foot one guys. Mm. You know, he, he, all he got this week is they're six four, three hundred pounds. So now is you've got to really bend and play in your legs. Do you think there's an extra chip on your guys' shoulders uh, after what happened last year against Kentucky? Again, I don't know if it's an extra chip. It's just hey, it's, it's our first SEC game. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an SEC game, so every game has to be that way. You know, what I mean, you got to, we got to have a chip on our shoulders. It's an SEC game. That's what you play for. That's what you're here for. I mean, the first two games were great. I mean, whatever they were, they're not in the SEC. So to me, it's our first SEC game. So to me, everything gets turned up because of that. And because last year, again, there's parts that we'll use from last year's game and what they did and what we did wrong. You know, not as much as what they did, what we didn't execute last year. That put us in the situation we were in with, with not winning the game. That'll do it for the latest edition of Locked On Gators. On today's show, we gave you the five keys to the game, previewed the matchup with Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun, and in the final segment, I gave you my prediction for the game as well as my SEC power rankings ahead of week three. When we come back on Monday, we will recap the Florida-Kentucky matchup, review our five keys to the game, and grade the performance from Saturday night. Make sure you stay tuned into Locked on Gators, your team every day.